brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding Reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this incredibly special episode, guys, Colleen Turner joins me and blows all of our minds with possibly the fact that we are the AI. Everybody's always talking about, ah, chat GPT and all everything's going to take over the world. What if we're the AI? Have you thought of that? Because she's thought of that and blows our minds with it. She also has a fascinating theory about what comets and meteors are. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Also, the simulation, harp, chemtrails, Mandela effect, and so much more, guys. This one's fantastic. Of course, all the ways to find her located down in the show notes. Let's get to it, actually. Just everybody welcome. Colleen Turner. <laughs> Colleen Turner, welcoming to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. Yes, I have absolutely so much been looking forward to this. This is going to break everyone. So if you're out there operating heavy machinery or something like that, you know, take the extra precaution necessary because this is a mind expanding conversation about to occur here. And we are both centered and ready for it. And I am super pumped to introduce you to my audience. So if you don't mind, let us know who you are, darling. Um, my name is Colleen Turner. I am, uh, I mean, so hard. I write the bio, but then when you actually say the bio, you're like, well, I don't want to talk about myself this way. But the best way to describe me is um, I do celestial readings. And so my handle on Instagram is celestial under, underscore timing, because a lot of the readings I've done, um, people have said like, oh, wow, this feels like this was orchestrated by the celestials, like for this information to come through or like for the connections to be made. And most people who I come in contact with, it's I don't have a wide like audience or big audience, but the people who I do come in who are, who resonate with my voice and like my codes and everything, um, it's a close connection. So it's definitely like, we're, I know if I like for you and I, I know that our celestial aspects have orchestrated this whole thing because they're like, we've got to get these two together. So it's very much, um, yeah. So I just, and then I pull information from, Wherever it is, another dimension, who knows, the Akashic field, who knows, there's so many different ways to describe where the information comes from, but it's um, very coded information, and I know I'm just one piece of the puzzle. Has the information that you've received, even though it comes from multiple sources, has it always been or consistently been um, something that's not scary or ever told you that you should do something that would compromise your boundaries? 
No, and it's so fascinating you would ask this question because I just was in a conversation with someone where I've never had to feel like I had to shield myself or like I've never felt like I've been like tampered with or there's been a darkness. I can see the darkness. I can see it like in other people and I can see like how it does interfere with other people's fields. But um, I just have never had that. So um, I'm sure it could be. I'm sure it could be compromised in a way, but I, there's the information for me is like usually just directly to one other person. And as it comes forward, like, as I start to feel like I'm supposed to share with the collective, like even more and more, I've been invited on podcasts and stuff. It's always for just for whoever, take what you want, leave what you don't. I'm not trying to convince anyone to see it my way. I just know that I see it a way that other people will resonate with and need to see it this way. I'm very much a, I came from the conspiracy world, went into the spiritual world, left because in the spiritual world, conspiracy world, you quickly learn that this is likely a simulated reality, reality that is a holographic universe. So once you realize that you kind of move through it and you realize like, this can be whatever the hell you want, but it's the beauty and discovering that and getting to that point. And that that's the point that I want to, the point of view I really want to share with people. You know, I love this perspective that it's uh, you, you have this um, just fascinating perspective and we're going to get to it here, but the simulated idea and it not being such an apprehended rigid thing, it's actually something that's malleable and perhaps malleable because we're in it. And this is one thing that's fascinating to me that we are actually sort of matrix assassins, great show. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to me. So, let, let me ask you this. When when you started getting uh, channeling channeling information, how did that come to you? Has this always been something that's been with you since a little girl, or is it something that perhaps uh, you noted in your life that popped up and you were like, holy shit, I'm doing this now? Okay. <laughs> so, like all of us, uh, right, like me personally, uh, in college, high school, drank, smoked weed, and like did all the things. And I was always the person where I'm like, you guys, I think this is what's happening. And it, they would chalk it up as like, oh, Colleen's a pothead or oh, all these things. Well, something happened in college. I got caught with the weed. <laughs> and so I had to like, get you know, like by the by the police. And I was young and I like, so it was, and I was anyway, so basically what happened was, uh, and now like looking back, like after I gained perspective, I was like, oh, that had to happen. I had to stop smoking weed and I had to stop um, and I had to get drug tested and all the things. And so I went like this long span of not smoking weed. And so right when I like could do it again, you know, like when I was (laughs) released from the chains of the system, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get so high. So we go and smoke and I'm probably about 21, 22 at this point. I had this experience where I was like, holy shit. I felt so ungrounded and like, not, like I felt so out of body and like no one around me felt real. Like, even as I talk about it, it's like this feeling comes up again where I'm like, none of this is real. Like it was the first time I could really see like, not like we were all just playing these characters. I have never smoked again until recently when I was with a girlfriend. And so then um, she was like, oh, just take, you know, a little hit. I did a I did a little bit. But anytime I smoke weed, I get this like really like and it makes me really see how like how fake all this is. But it's still so real at the same time. But it makes me like really need to stay in body. So plant medicine and me are like I'm so connected to the celestial realm that it 
it's almost like I have to do all the things that ground me here because it's so easy for me to go there. Like, I don't ever feel like all of me is ever here. So when I take a substance that like releases me from anyways, it's, it's always just, I have these crazy thoughts. Well, but anyways, from stopping smoking weed, I never lost my crazy thoughts. So with my friends, I was always the person that brings the huge ideas. And I'm like, what if it's this? What if it's this? What if it's this? And to back it up even more, I went all through Catholic school. And so up until I was a senior in high school. And um, and so I always knew religion was wrong. I just knew it and stuff. And then, I, then you started reading the books and reincarnation and like starting to have all these, you know, you just know that you're not you like, there's no way that you could ever just be this one life could create this huge personality. And then when I started having kids was when I was like, Oh my God, like they come in they're like with their own little personalities because I have fraternal twins who they were, you know, same exact birth experience, same exact everything. And they're the two most opposite. They don't look alike. They don't act alike. They don't like anyway. So that was my like the nail in the coffin moment. That's wild. You know, I'm reading yeah. uh, uh, Dr. Michael Newton's Journey of Souls right now. Have you ever read that? Yes. Oh, my God. That was one so... of my big like, like oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, it is so interesting. Um, my wife uh, has already read it, and it's just it's fascinating to me how I mean we won't go into all that, but also the the just the journeys that souls take, and, and having read a book like that, and even as a choice point, just even in halfway imagining it, you kind of put in perspective, and you you look around and you project that onto everything here, and it, it things just make so much more sense, especially in there when they were talking about about like seventy five percent of the population here is like below a level one soul or a beginner soul. It like makes sense, you know, on this level and this. Uh, dovetails nicely with something I've been talking about, about simulation being a school and it being sort of all grade levels intermingled here. And it's just sort of a learning environment. Now, anytime I phrase this, it's usually been within the organic uh, mindset, you know, and I think that this is, again, hubris. And we break down a lot of that on this show. Hubris that we all just kind of assume that what we're told on any level all the way down to our cellular makeup. What if it's not cells? What if it's circuits? What if it's not, you know, um, veins and their wires? What if it's something like this or the equivalent of it to something else that's really organic, which is sort of what you get into, and it's amazing. So before we really get in and dive deep here, which I can't wait to do, uh, take us down where you started with the AI conversation with yourself. Okay, so the AI conversation with myself is about last year at this time, I found Sheila Seppi, and she's a very interesting person. She wrote a book on walk-ins. So you talk about walk-ins. And so because I realized after my twin birth experience, I thought it was just because I had twins and I had four little boys under four that I was losing my mind. But then when I think back, thought back to the birth experience, I was like, it was a very traumatic birth. And I was like, that would have been a perfect opportunity to have this like walk-in experience. So at that moment, like last year, I started to really like unravel the whole walk-ins and what they are, what the, they could be. So as like, you're moving forward, like I realized it's like walk-ins to me are, I felt like every time I would hit a checkpoint, I would have another walk-in experience hmm. like every time. And so then I also, at some point I started seeing at one of these checkpoints, which I also called walk-in experience. I started seeing like galactic versions of people. Like they were just presenting in different ways. And I was like, Oh, this is so fascinating. And then I started to notice that like I had my own galactic galactic version of self, which was 
like the mantis was what really started to show up. And then I realized the mantis in general has its own consciousness that you can essentially kind of like tap into. And then all these other people have different consciousnesses and they have different aspects and different versions of, versions of themselves playing out through these bodies. So, so, so sort of real quick. So it's sort of it, just for everybody here. Is this analogous to like a bunch of, let's say, kids around the world playing all together from satellite, you know, from Internet, all playing the same Internet game like uh, Overwatch or Fallout or something like this? And so, you know, all of these people speak different languages or different races and ethnicities are all human, you know. But is that scalable to what we're talking about here to basically that the Earth is a game that these Mantis, this Pleiadian, this Grey... Uh, this Lyran over here, that everybody sort of has their own human character in a human experience game, but they're all origin originated from somewhere else, completely even interdimensional beings, stuff like that. So it's funny, I just wrote down when you were talking earlier, metaverse, because I believe that this is essentially a huge metaverse. And, and I what think we're living why, in now. Is that it? We live in right now is essentially a metaverse. And that's why a lot of us, that's why they released this Facebook metaverse. And I think it was a co huge code they dropped to let us know that there's likely, I always compare it to, there's this one gal who um, I love dearly, but I just know that we cannot interact outside this game. I just, there's a knowing that I have where in order for us to come together, like in a physical, like, you know, like conversation or come together in like the same world and have the same avatar, we had to come here to meet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it's, it's like, uh, I live in Texas. Where are you at? I'm in Washington. See, there you go. And we're hanging out yeah. in the same digital space together and enjoying mm -hmm. your conversation, but we're not physically located near one another. So it's this, this is equivalent. Yeah. Well, and so the thing with this is that you and I, let's say like you were from a collective and I was from another collective, let's say those originated from different like source drips. You and I then would have to enter this game together to then connect this way and then also to connect in like a physical form. So someday of like me and my family come and visit you in Texas, then it's an experience that we likely would only get to have here in our human forms is how I see it. Wow. So you know, outside of, yeah. Uh, you know, go ahead. But with you, it's very interesting because with you, I feel like we know each other. I feel like there's that a different connection where it's like, I don't have, there's only some people where I get this feeling of, oh my God, like our worlds don't even work together outside of here. We have to come here in order. But that also that also supports the idea that this is a school that we come into to grow and expand together and learn like through um, all, like, so say like one of the things is some people see themselves as an avion and some people see themselves as a lyran. Well, outside of here, I don't think the avions and the lyrans <laughs> exists necessarily intermingle i don't think their worlds are the same so in order for avion and lyran to come together they would have to come into this metaverse together so what avion and lyrans now are we talking about um sort of atlantis and lemurian type things as well or is that two other completely different things or are they connected in in a way to each other so lemurian people believe are is of as uh one point this metaverse um, so say like in a video game, you know how like you play a video game and then all of a sudden the world changes. 
like you're like oh i played this version like let's even go with mario brothers like mario brothers like you're playing and then all of a sudden they come out with the newer version of mario brothers so mario brothers all of a sudden has like this new world so what people think it what uh, a lot of people perceive lemuria and lemuria as is it's a world that existed inside this metaverse and then what i think is happening is i mean this is <laughs> tell me if this is too much because no, i'm it's, like it's okay, not so, you can't yes. open it up yeah drop the so hammer. what i think is happening is everything's on a cycle and i know a lot of people think that like everything in this world works on a clock and so actually so the lemuria it's interesting that you bring that up because i'm pretty sure that we're almost cycling back into that Lemuria time because the Lemuria time is what I think people are referring to as the original blueprint of this world. It's a time where we were all connected. Um, people who tap into Lemurian, um, the world and their lives there, there we're all like very much connected through like telepathic communication. Um, there's this there's not a lot of darkness. It's very light time. It's people are very conscious of like the of the souls that they bring in it's it's not hijacked at all it's a it's what some people would refer to as like the age of aquarius so as we move through this clock um like everything in this world is on a cycle i think the clock is a huge code for us to just know that like we're always moving in a cycle even our lives are moving in a cycle so likely a lot of us are who are here waking up are from that lemurian time who have come back now to finish the cycle. So they were likely there for the fall of Lemuria and they're coming back for the start of Lemuria. And as we come back into this like lightness, this age of Aquarius, we're going to start bringing in more of these whole souls because in Lemurian times, there weren't as many people because there weren't as many fractured souls is how I see it. So this being fascinating by the way um so this being cyclical which i uh, i've we've talked about a lot i mean and uh, people have noted here you know the sky is just a clock that's one of the arguments for the flat earth idea which i do want your thoughts on uh but it's it's also uh you know this idea of the procession of the equinoxes all these great cycles that occur and so it makes sense that something like this would be here like that it would be on a timed deal and so it's almost like and i've, I've called it this speed dating with gaia you almost have like a certain amount of time and then the clock's up and then something else comes in right a cycle occurs so let me ask you this is this a natural progression for the game as you see it is this let's just say that i'll stop there because i have so many things i want to ask you um and i can just go too far and i know that especially with you with this okay so is this uh just uh, the game as we see it i believe that this is the yeah because yes it's the game as we see it because i don't think there's anything we can do wrong in this game I think people are like, oh, you know, so that's what whenever we say, oh, people are on their own journey. It's because truly when you start to get get this level of consciousness, you realize there's no there's no wrong choice in this game. And this is the natural cycle. And they will have to at some point click into the natural cycle. And it might be they might have to exit and come back in. But it's they them, the people who like some people call NPCs or, you know, program players, they will have to cut like this is a natural progression so there's no way they can stop us and i think that's what a lot of people perceive as like the archons or you know the darkness and them trying to keep us in this state i think whenever people who have been playing in the dark for like so long and playing in kind of like those lower vibrational 
those lower vibrational states, they know that we're in a point of transitioning. So the reason why they're trying to stay there and why a lot of people hold on to their shadows is because if they've been playing in the dark for a very long time in this version of the game and giving into like um, darker energies and stuff like that, they're going to have so much shit to purge, but they're going to have to purge it because we are going to the age, the lightness, the like we are moving into a different like part of this cycle like the i always say like the the hour hour hand on the clock has changed hours but the minute hand we still have a lot of time on that minute hand to like complete the cycle does that make sense yeah totally it's like, a great like we're one minute away from like the hour to change so in that last minute people are having to really look at their shit and like really clean it up. And some people are, I honestly think choosing to exit right now to be like, I don't want to look at how much entanglement I've gotten myself in, in the last like hundreds, thousands of years. And by exit, you mean die. Die, we, what yeah. we call dying, right? Their avatar. Well, we call dying. Dying. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are making deals. This was back. I talked about Amy, Amy Blair with this back in like July. I think that there's a lot of deals being made with um, the souls who people call NBCs. I call them fractured souls. Um, and I think a lot of them have been like, I will exit the game and give you more of yourself. Like, so, because in this realm, there's only a certain amount of energy that can exist. So if I, let's say, you know, I always refer to him as Jimmy, because I'm like, a lot of us don't know Jimmy's, but if Jimmy, this guy, Jimmy's like, okay, like, I am going to sacrifice the rest of my game. Like, I don't want to look at my shadows, but I will exit the game so that you can get more yourself. So as a lot of these fractured souls exit, then a lot of the people who are here to play the game, they're getting having these walk-in experiences because the, they're getting more of their consciousness because there's now more energy that exists that is available for us to become more of ourselves. See, it all comes back to that Jet Li, the one movie where he's just going around killing the other so that they all assimilate back in. So he has more power. So do you think that this is what the vaccines and stuff were all about was is that it was people's opportunity to just uh, hand in their ability to uh, think critically for themselves and make their own decision in a way, uh, I know this is kind of a touchy subject for some people, but this is how I feel about it, and that they just gave up their right to choose anyway, and so basically they forfeited their past to continue on in the game because they weren't making decisions for themselves anyhow? So the vaccines, I think, are um, cutting us off from our God gene or whatever some people call it, but I think every single vaccine... Okay, so I'm going to go backwards. So in order for like us to gain more access to ourselves. I think that's why people start to say that like indigo children start to come in, star seeds. <laughs> and I think it started about 30 to 50 years ago. And that's when people started like really anchoring in this information. And I think that's because we essentially started Trojan horsing, Trojan horsing this realm by bringing in these coded children. And that's right around when they've really started vaccinating kids. So I'm pretty sure what the vaccines were, were to cut us off from our codes and our source so we couldn't pass them on. So they've been trying to delay like this last 60 minutes that they have or 60 seconds until the hour actually changes. They've just been trying to delay it. They don't want that hour hand to change. So with the vaccine movement, I even noticed this. This was a big epiphany that I had 
um, because I have kids and I vaccinated vaccinated them. And as I was waking up to it, I went through this whole like fear, like, you know, I was so scared that I did something that was going to permanently hurt, damage them. And then when this COVID vaccine came through, I was like, oh, my God, like this is stopping us from ascension. Like this is an ascension thing. And then I was listening to a tinfoil hat episode and they had a guy come on that said, was telling all about how in the military, they have a vaccine that they tested on a bunch of their deployed soldiers. And it was all to, if you look at the document to cut them off from God source. And then, so from that episode, I went backwards and I was like, Oh, when did they start doing this? So if you look, go back to the history of like this certain vaccine and I think all of them are doing this. They're it's trying to cut us off from whatever is in our brain that connects us to actual source. So I'm pretty sure that all the vaccines, and that's why with kids, they stop giving them at four because at four, like I have kids, and when they turn four, there's a veil there. They stop having like those, they stop cra- talking about crazy things and whatnot. But one thing that I also know is that our bodies are literally rejuvenating themselves every year. And our brain, I think, takes like maybe three years, but our bodies. So there's no way that we could, that our kids haven't completely rejuvenated, regrown their body by now. And this is the part I I really wanted to make sure that we talked about here as well, that all of this is pretty, is transmutable from our perspective. Like nothing is a death sentence here for you. Like, let's say, because I get this, I get emails a lot with this. Hey, my kids and I had to take the thing. we didn't want to. I'm scared. You know, what do I do? Uh, I, I I always feel that that was an opportunity for them to wake up because they didn't before. And that's what it took for them. And so you're, they're not going to be punished for a catalyst for an awakening is really how I feel about it. Plus, there's this element, like you said, of regeneration that our bodies constantly go through. Now, uh, what about these um, vaccines do you think? You know, because what about like, the, OK, and this this is another question just to tag because we're here. Uh, what about the kids who have to get it whose parents don't want them to get it. I know of a specific situation, several actually, but one I'm close to, uh, where they're uh, separate homes, uh, you know, his and ours sort of thing. And one family member wants them to get vaccinated. The other does not. And like strongly both feel that way. Uh, the kid ended up needing to go to court and had to get vaccinated because of it. So what what is the uh, scope of experience in there? What's that for? I mean, every experience in this life is a lesson. So there's something that like that, obviously that mom and dad had to work out together. There's something that that kid um, agreed to be the agreed to play a part in whatever that mom and dad had that contract they had. But for the vaccine itself, I don't think that I think that we're all good. I think that there is I just can't believe there's no part of me that feels like the people who are how do I put this? I think that our body will transmute it a, um, especially if you're a child because our bodies regenerate so much more when we're children. I mean, a part of me goes down to the human vibration rabbit hole where it's like, what are they even like? Yeah. We have no freaking clue what they are. <laughs> yep. And then another thing is that I think that we think that we have free will here and we do, we, we are sovereign souls. And that is one of the things that we learned, but I think we're fools to think that we don't have an, Audi playing us as well and like that every decision and like every route that we take is likely being orchestrated by outside parties as well yeah and it seems like for these um sort of considerations that you were talking about earlier about people saying hey i'll exit the game and you get more of yourself you know that that's happening over there in the room 
you know, in the reality wherever they're playing that thing. There, there's the movie uh, Ready Player One. Did you ever see that? Okay. Yeah, I just talked about this game yesterday. Perfect. With <laughs> the the company that buys all of the entry points into the thing, right? And they have all of the people sitting there and they have all these employees that play this game together as sort of a hive sort of thing. And they'll all sacrifice themselves just so one can win, right? And so do you think that this is what the idea is with the Archons or the Resistance here? It's almost like there's a company that signed up, you know, rather it's part of the uh, experience, sort of a automated response uh creation system here to where like it's auto automatically responsive to the way that we create or do you feel that it's a separate team like another group of entities actually playing the dark hats here because it is sort of a Westworld type of an environment it feels i love this question i always want to tell people i have no doubt that the archons are us and we are them and it's our shadows and it's our like so it's the same collective uh, like some point like so when i talk about the mantis like consciousness i know that there's mantis consciousnesses that like i'm connected to and why i understand the way that they work and what they're doing with the dark is because we're connected because they're us and we are them like and that's something that is really hard for people to understand but the reason why we understand so well what they're doing is because there's a macro level that we're seeing on this huge playing field. And then there's a micro level where like it makes sense because likely we have done a micro thing that they're doing on a macro level, even if it's creating an, an illusion. Like so they're all about illusions, you know, and like the the Hollywood and all that stuff. Well, how many times in your life have you created created an illusion for someone to perceive you a way that you're not? You know, like how many times in your life have you done something where and but think about how quick it is for us to be like, oh, no, like, I don't want to I don't want to play that character. I don't want because we don't have those energies like as a whole. But the reason why we can understand what they're doing and unravel what they're doing is because they have the same consciousnesses that we are. Like people even talk about the fallen angels and then in the same breath, we'll talk about the angelics. So they have to come from the same place, the fallen angels and the angelics. So it has to be that whole light in the dark are playing and we're all in this realm kind of like trying to figure out. I honestly think the darkness um, that exists here, a lot of people say that they're reptilians or whatever, but I know that there's so many like wonderful reptilian, like people who hold care of that aspect who are just as amazing as like an angelic. So I think that, the reptilians has been a huge smear campaign so that we don't actually look into what we all are so i just i think that's the reason why it's we have to wake up to the fact that we are them because once we realize we are them then we can figure out exactly how this game works because we know we'll just reverse engineer it so we're like oh i know what they're doing and we know what they're doing because it's us yeah, and that's what it feels like. It's like another version of us playing the other side as well. Like you're split. You're on both teams playing against yourself. Pat Mahan and I were talking about this, and so many people, again, and back to the uh, Journey of Souls just because it's fresh, uh, It they say, you know, we can see, you know, and we laugh about how seriously we take that game, but really we can all see that we're just actors playing a role. And this mm -hmm. theme keeps coming up, you know, this Westworld, this uh, sides, this duality, and what better way to really experience the full breadth of duality than to experience experience it both at the same exact time. You're the darkest you can be here and the lightest you can be here. You know, this is mm -hmm. uh, perhaps this like doppelganger idea. There's another version of you that's a real piece of work out there just doing things that you would not be able to stand in some respect. And so it's, it's interesting, again, when we look at it this way. 
So I'm curious because it just blows my mind. And the more I think about this place like this, it's, it gets simpler. I read books like Journey of Souls. I talk to people like you and, and uh, it absolutely still blows my mind and it's whimsical and fun because it's so mind expanding. When you really sit back and think about it, it, it gets to like uh, stoner you where you can kind of feel like, holy shit, like it's too much. You know, you're just like, oh my God. And see, and I smoke weed for the other reason. It's too much. And so I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Grounded. Got it. It's it's the other way. Um, so I want to know why you call them fractured souls rather than uh, NPCs. Because I kind of, I like this better or background people or something, you know, because it, it always feels a little callous for me to refer to them that way. But I really have met some people that I really don't think that they're real fucking people, dude. And that is not being heartless. I'm still sweet. You know, I'm nice to everybody, NPC or not. But I really do. I have absolutely met some people where I'm just like, there is no fucking way that there is someone driving that wheel. This is an automated program that I'm watching in a, in a store somewhere where this is its existence. And, and this is my the extent of our interaction. So it feels like we are travelers here. And especially the ones that ask the questions like this. So... Back to the thing about fractured souls. Why do you consider them that way and frame them that way? Because I think the way that you feel is um, when you're not as fractured. Okay, let me think how I'm going to put this. So if you, oh. No, I, I got it right. Right when you were thinking for it, I got exactly what you were going to say. But please continue for the audience's sake. That is not telepathically linked like we are. Please. It's brilliant, by the way. So, um, so let's say, let's go back to that Jimmy guy. So say at one point, Jimmy was whole and Jimmy came in to play the game and in the game there was, he had the opportunity. I think this happened during like the shift of Lemuria. And like, so I think that's why in Lemurian times we were also all bigger. Think about how much bigger humans were. We were just different. And we were, we were able to hold more codes, hold more of ourselves. And then as we keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, the more they fracture us because like we anyways, but so Jimmy, then like the first time that he decides to go and like go into the darkness, he gets out. So we normally have this very easy transition out of here, but now we don't, now we don't, but it started way back in the day. So as they took away the, I say they archons, even after my explanation that they are us and we are them, but anyways, there's definitely people who are still playing very much in that dark side, you know? And, um, as the, they were trying to, uh, stop that 60 second hand from, you know, switching over the hour clock. They, um, try to explain this. So, so it makes so much sense in my head. Okay. So basically they, like, as you're exiting, as you're exiting, oh God, there's so much the, they obviously had to create this net where it's like, it's very confusing. And I think that's where like the whole moon matrix comes into play where like, how did they trap us here? But anyways, so as they, captured these souls they started to break them off into pieces because they needed like that energy of the soul so as they every time they catch someone they get to like fracture them even more so at one point that's those fractured versions now that we call npcs were all part of something whole but now they've they 
have been able to fracture them into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And the more and more they fractured they get, the less human they feel, the less like uh, sentient they feel, the less like real they feel because they are so, so fractured. You know, when you talk to someone and you can tell that they are so broken and shattered and it's like what they're saying, it's on repeat. And it's like, you can tell they've been through trauma and you're like, what in the world? And it's like, you can see that you can even see like the cracks and like where their stories are because they're so used to just telling the story and playing out these programs. And as they get more and more fractured, they're able to like, yeah, be the programming in the game and play, basically be their little soldiers to push forward their narrative and build their like world. So interesting. No, it, it does. It absolutely makes sense. And it's more back to sort of the gently. The one thing, let's say that you have <clears throat> you have five chickens, okay? And they are ravenous. They are pecking at your arm. Now, if four of them get distracted and run off, it's not as painful for one to sit there. It's a little easier to deal with. It's not as concentrated. It's not doing as much damage or let's say just for the real sake of it having as much of an impact where it's at locally, right? And so it seems that this sort of collection of yourself or this energy that's not fractured is very interesting. Now then the question would be, though, are we someone else's NPC in their game? Is is our energy so collected here that there are fractured pieces of us in other people's stories or in other matrices, perhaps Matrix C, Matrix I, whatever, uh, that then are, you know, if, if I went to go meet a, my character on that place, I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? He's just on autopilot. There's nothing going on, whatever. He's let himself go, whatever. No zest for life, as you said. And it's because all of most of me is here. You know what I mean? It's it would be a fascinating way to kind of play a game on a huge scale like that. Let's say you, we zoom out from this earth. Okay, zoom out. There are 40 Earths down there, and we are playing a game that involves all of them, physical realities of expressions of us on all of them, or mental projections of an AI version of us tapped into it, some some interface of some way. Now, let's say that there's something going on over in this portion of that game, which is really not just one single world that we're playing right now, but a myriad of 40 of them. Just for this example, it could be way more, whatever, way less. Let's say in this section of 10 over here, there's some shit going down and we need like the alien versions of you to really power up. So they kind of suck all the energy out of this other 30 portion of you and then put it into the one or two versions of you over here to really do the most fucking physical damage. You know what I mean? It seems mm -hmm. like then you could shift your energy in mass between expressed versions of you in all of these other different realities that are seemingly independent and separate from each other from a certain perspective here because it's so limiting we can only see so high right uh mm -hmm. but then maybe at a different level it's so much more complex than that and and i think absolutely it's so much more complex than that we just speculate wildly and have fun about talking about the ideas so what do you think yeah. about this larger picture sort of that like your energy is actually being more like a flow in an ocean and maybe that's what's cyclical about you as an entity like i have mine this is kind of while we're here I have my times, you know, like of the month or whatever, where my energy feels dipped. We all sort of as entities here have a collective that in the wintertime, we all go through a toxic shed of all, of all the toxins and you need to kind of rest and chill. There are cycles that we go through here. Do you think that they're energetically related to the crazy fun story that we just made up here that could possibly be totally what's going on? <laughs> Do I think the cycles? Okay. So, yeah, okay. Okay. So I think that we all, this goes back to kind of like the walk-in thing. Are we all connected to the same cycle? A hundred percent. I think that it also is 
directly connected to the consciousness field that you um, that resides inside of you. So I notice that some a collective of people will get COVID at the same time. And they're usually people who kind of like vibrate at the same frequency because it's their turn as a collective to go through that. So we're cycling, yes, with other people who we are uh, conscious, like our consciousness is um, our I'll say connected like so say like let's go with Lyran just because that's one like so say both of us have a Lyran aspect um we're then automatically going to be on like the cycle of like as how the Lyrans move together so we're going to experience things together but then if there's another aspect to you that might be connected but hmm, I'm not going to even bring that into it because that's confusing um so yeah so I think that as you the more and more this person who you're stepping into the consciousness that like is walk coming into you as you like are able as you clear yourself out and are able to get more yourself then I think you start linking up with other people because that goes with the whole vibration and frequency of people and that also I think goes with a um there's a pattern to that as well but like at some point you have to be like okay you guys take over here like um, this collective has to kind of go through stuff. Like, does that make sense? No, it totally does. It's sort of, <clears throat> I got a few pop culture, pop culture references here for everyone. And that's just how I work. So I just kind of picture it, those sort of times where energy is being more appropriated. You know, uh, you're meant to embrace the rest whenever you're supposed to and action when inspired, that inspired action always comes with additional energy. Almost. It's like, Hey, it's your portion of energy to do with, like it's your time to have it now. And then it's going to cycle back through and we're all going to sort of kiss this energy as it goes through us and you get a little piece of it now. So use the shit out of it. It's sort of like, <clears throat> And in those interim times is when, you know, the retrogrades occur or you, you're sort of in a down period, not down as in bad, just down as an energetic, like it's a rest period. It's an obvious one. I've been really noting cycles in my own life. Like I'll go, okay, I need to just slow down right here. Or there's times where I'm like, all right, dude, go time. It's inspired action. Let's roll. You have all the energy from the collective at your disposal right now. So use, use it as you can. It's like sort of like renting something. But again, in this like downtime period, the image that came up was that <clears throat> Star Wars, whenever that Darth Maul and uh, Luke and uh, what's his Obi-Wan were fighting or whatever. And then that laser thing came down and they had to just like wait and they're staring at each other. They're like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, we're going to get at it. But we can't right now because there's a barrier for us. And that barrier could be the lack of energy and inspired action from our perspective, then being put into motion and action over here. So these downtimes are so necessary. That's. You know, I have fought through quicksand of just being like, no, I've got to get this done. And man, I just, I thank God that I recognize that I've, I'm still sort of, I wouldn't say guilty of it. I participate in it, but at a different level now, I, I am much more mindful of those cycles. But the way you frame it, dude, with this <clears throat> idea of energy sharing, really. And, you know, again, it sort of feels like dodgeball or like uh, when you're a kid and you have to take a break from the pool at adult swim, you know, you're just like, oh, but it's, it's you just got to take a break for a second, you know, or dodgeball, you're ready to go, you're ready, but you know, your teammate needs to catch a ball for it to cycle through mm -hmm. this, <clears throat> this dance of energies here. And then especially when you scale it up, you know, and all this occurs when you, when you look at things, big picture, I'd say psychedelics definitely help me with this, but when you at least start to look at things, bigger picture. So let's do that. Now there is uh, you know, what I have found with this place is that a lot of what I can point to that's going on is where I'm being deceived and what's not going on, right? One of the greatest things, you know, um, that what the devil ever pulled was uh, convincing everybody that he wasn't real, right? So what if, you know, this idea of sort of a Pinocchio idea or 
this idea of pure apprehension of everything here, all the way down to that you are a living, breathing human something, right? All the way down to that. Do you think that that's the level that it goes, that actually that's not even the case at all? Wait, so ask that one more time. So, yeah, do, you, do you think that the narrative that we're human beings breathing and living like everything else here is sort of an illusion and that we're just not that? Oh, yeah, 100%. So what do you think we are? I think we're, this is all holographic simulated reality. And that's why we can change things. And, um, I think we're coding. I think we're, so I guess you could say, yeah, we are organic in the sense that we, uh, they had to, there's, we, they had to create, we had to create, I also refer to us as the game makers too, like understanding like this game takes require of like how you would make this game. But so everything in this realm has coding and consciousness and even down to the thing where someone can pick up a cup and be like, or like a dry erase marker. And there are people who will literally tap into the energy of this dry erase marker where like where all the different pieces came from, because it had to be created from something inside this realm. So in order to create like these human bodies, like in, in order to like create a consciousness, this is where the AI comes in. I think it's taken a lot of years of mastery of how, um, like I don't at all follow the whole evolutionary re realm, but this is the thought that I've had. I'm like, what if like we kept putting things in, dropping things in, and we're actually coding them outside of the realm. And then we just kind of like make the thing, make the avatar and like beep, beep, boop, 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 and put it inside. And that's why all of a sudden humans just showed up because we tried to do like an evolutionary route inside the game. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we tried to and then we couldn't. So we're like, we just got to put humans in. We just got to like make them outside, do all the coding outside the game. And then we actually have to put this like coded avatar inside the game. It'd be no different than putting like a Donkey Kong inside of a Mario Brothers. Like Donkey Kong is not going to be created. Like when you're playing the game, like if I'm like have the um, controller to the game and I'm playing Mario Brothers, I can't, I have no ability to make Mario evolve into Donkey Kong. What I would have to do is I, was ha I would have to code into the game and code Donkey Kong and put Donkey Kong in and then start playing it with a controller. So I think anything in this, it's, it's real, it's real in the sense, but it's all, we all like all the animals to everything. I think they're all coding. And I think they all, they all represent um, things that exist likely from our real worlds. Right. Like outside, like kids drawing pictures of something like a giraffe yeah. or something. Okay. Yeah. What, this is fascinating. So, uh, do you think that the things that we create here are uh, from the materials here and that basically we have to use the stuff that we're given that can, that's compatible with this realm? I don't know. I, I go back and forth on this a lot. I think that it is very suspicious that all of a sudden I was in college, like we all just had these iPhones. And have you ever talked to or heard an interview from anyone who actually made the iPhone? No. No. There's no one who actually played a part in making the iPhone. They talk about how they were on the team of Apple or I'm in Seattle. So and in where I went to college, um, a lot of the people are involved in Microsoft, Amazon, all the different things. So one of my um, girlfriends, um, anyways, I was with one of the guys who was there for like the beginning of Microsoft. And I was like, so how did like the coding work? Like, how do you guys like put the, I was asking like how exactly like the computer. Cause I'm like, have you been that close to the computers? And they're like, oh, he was like, oh, 
I don't really know. He goes, um, he's like, we just do, we figured out the coding or like I worked with the the coders. They had a team of coders. That's what it was. But they had already were given the technology of the computers. So I've never, and I've searched and I've asked the universe and I'm like, someone just tell me something for like someone who can tell us how we all have these iPhones. How do we all have these iPhones? You know, we take that shit for granted, though. We we sit yeah. here and say, oh, well, this person and then, OK, you know, this is the thing that when the, uh, I've been going through this for a few years now really heavily. It's just uh, nothing is safe in my mind as far as what I held to be true or what I mm-hmm. uh, believed in any respect. So everything down to those sorts of things. And this especially jumped on my radar with Tataria and alternative history ideas and the mud flood and this sort of idea that of course our, our history is you know told by the victors and that's an easy one that that of uh, anyone of any faith or discipline can understand but to be completely apprehended to maybe not even be that old at all or to maybe these cycles like you're talking about maybe there was a huge wipe of our system and a rebalance or something you know because now that you're talking about this I'm thinking about what uh, Whitney Fox and I were talking about this I also posted a video about how uh, our color palette has changed, like our ability to view and perceive different colors has changed. Also, things like uh, our sun, I feel, and uh, others as well, I'm not sure if you've seen this, like two years ago, feels like it changed. It got brighter, it got, it glows hotter, it's it's white instead of yellow like like it used to be. And also this idea of Mandela effects, that's my next question for you. Mandela effects, how do they play into this Oh my God, the Mandela effects are funny because part of me honestly thinks that they're just fucking with us, that yeah. they, that it's them showing us that they have control over all of our social, all of our internet, everything that they can literally make us, things that we remember, they can make us question ourselves. But then the Berenstein Bears one is so weird because when I was, I remember it as the EI and it's the Berenstein. Do you know that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I do remember that one really well. And then when I was just at my parents' house, we were going through the attic and I was like, oh, all of our Berenstein Bears books. And so then they were the A-I-N. So I was like, well, that means that they would have to, if I remember it one way, like then that means they would have to go through. But a lot of people, that's the whole glitching of the matrix. It's like, I don't know from the outside, they're like, just beep, boop, boop, like coding, we're going to change it. And then it changes the code of every like Berenstein Bear book that's out there. Like it knows how to run a program or a sequence. It's like, oh, change, go find like all the Berenstein Bear. Like, I don't know. But then, because some people obviously think it's a timeline shift and all those things. And I think that there's a lot of different timelines that could exist. And this is why these conversations are fun because it's just, who knows? Who know, Who the fuck knows? So uh, we have a great example of this uh, in our reality that we are participating in right now called an RSS feed. So the way an RSS feed works for the audience or anybody that doesn't know is that how you receive podcasts is I upload this thing to one place and it goes to over 50 different platforms. So that's the thing is I upload it to one central hub. I make one change. Now, let's say uh, that I spelled something wrong in episode three. I'm like, shit, well, that's 50 platforms. I'm not going into all 50 of those to change them. I go to the one um, uh, red circle or um, host and I host from there, make the change, and then it all updates on all of the other platforms. Is this sort of what you're talking about? Sort of a central update yeah. location that will then yeah. instantly update? Yes, exactly. So and but we have the memories of it existing before the update changed. So why do we then remember that there was something that's been changed? Because I think it's a it's we're hinting to ourselves because people who are asleep or the fractured souls, 
they would be like, I, I don't really remember. Oh, like, and then they would see the Berenstain Bear book and then they would be like, oh, so I think it's almost like us signaling ourselves. And it's kind of a show. It shows like where you are in your like consciousness evolution of will you trust your memories and your gut and your feelings? Or will you just be like, oh, yeah, I remember it different, but whatever. The Britney Spears. Do you know about that yeah, one? The microphone or no, the um, skirt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it plaid, not black. Okay, there's another one. There's it a- was plaid. It was. I went all through Catholic school. <laughs> we literally would like, uh, like that was my era. Like it was Britney Spears. We were so pissed because the plaid matched like another Catholic school, and we're like, why didn't they pick the like our Catholic school? It was a huge thing. So it's like I know, I know that that was a plaid, and I trust myself. I have said that to a lot of my friends who are like, you know, in this world, I asked my sister who is like just two years older than me. She's like, Oh, that's weird. She's like, Oh, maybe it was black. She's like, you know what I might be thinking of. And it's like, it's that easy. The matrix that got easy. you. Yeah. And I'm like, it was pl-. like, that's one of the ones that it's I get really worked up about. Yeah. What about the microphone as well? Do you remember that in her little rubber suit or red suit? Yeah, I remember she had the. I don't know this one. She had a microphone. Yeah, uh, she had a microphone from our dimension. But now, if you go to watch that video, which I've not, I've just seen people talk about it. Um, then uh, there's she grabs at a microphone at two minutes and something. People have done breakdowns on this. She grabs where a microphone should be, but she's not wearing one at all. But in uh, the Barbie release of that same thing, that same exact outfit from that video, she has a microphone on her head, like she always yeah. did. It's it's crazy. Now, here's the thing about your idea and why I love this so much. It it makes me think of now that it's not something that we need to get twisted about because it's changed something from our childhood. The fact that it changed something that we would recognize and have an emotional connection to makes me think of it now way more under the lens that you've gifted us with here, which is that we changed it because we knew that we would pay attention to it. It would ring the bell of our nostalgia and get our attention. So do you think the purpose it changed at all or why we did that for ourselves was sort of like missing time in the UFO phenomena? It's a hint. It's, hey, something's going on here and you guys need to pay more attention to it. I do. I think I think everything when something, even the numbers and everything, I think it's getting us to pay attention. And it's, oh, this is a good thing to bring in. <laughs> you know how you, uh, back in the day, you talked about like putting the... Um, Putting the shopping carts away. Yeah. Like there's people, people who put away the shopping carts, people who don't. Some days, like it was funny because I listened to that. Cause some days I'm like, I'm not putting the shopping cart away. I was like, I just loaded all these groceries. No one's helped me. I have twins, all these things. I'm like, I, you know, making all these excuses. And I was like, you know what? And I want, I want this to throw off someone's algorithm. I want the guy working at Costco who's coming and picking up my, like my cart be like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Like, I'm not like, so I'm like, I felt like it was one day that I did this and I thought immediately of your show. So I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to leave it there. And like, I followed my intuition. And then in my head, I'm like, yeah, there's someone now who like, so I think a lot of it is throwing off our algorithms. We're supposed to be doing things to trigger an algorithm, like a wake up thing, like, oh, like even if it's like that one guy at Costco, that's like, this like, like that thinks of me as this jerk who didn't bring my cart all the way back over to the place. It changes their train of thought because otherwise they would just be going and getting their carts, bringing them back. So this Mandela effect, I think it's all these things that are like, yeah, like little, like wake up, wake up. Yeah. Like like hints. Yeah. Yeah. 
Damn. And like, things like just throw us off. Like we're, cause we do, we can like, even when you talk about those downtimes, those cycles, you can kind of get into that like very mundane. Like I always say, like now that I don't drink anymore, there are so many boring parts of this game. Like no wonder I would drink and like yeah. be like, let's go do this. Cause there's so many down parts where you're just kind of like, what should I do today? I don't really feel like doing anything. Do you think that that's a limitation or a perceived limitation from sort of a proximity to work and home and things like that, that we don't just like travel and experience more of this realm in a way that, you know, we'd like to had, had the resources been available? Yes, for sure. A hundred percent. I think that everything that we have acquired in this part of the game has been to keep us very stagnant. I think buying houses, um, having children, getting animals, all those things keep us very complacent. And like, so think about it for us, like there, we have a travel trailer and like sometimes we're like oh we should go do this this weekend and then we're like we'll look at the thing and it's like no dogs allowed at like you know whatever campsite so then we have to like think and then all of a sudden we're like whatever we'll just stay home like Mm. it's this is becoming too much of a headache we don't we can't anyways and i think a lot of the false matrix has got us in positions to make us yes feel more stagnant because i think in those stagnant times what would be like what would light me up the most was if like we lived together like close and we like would just go play the guitar sing music like do the things that actually like create light us up like our creator energy really gets to show through but in a very micro way do you think that this uh, was a beautiful scenario you just painted, by the way? Um, do you think that this was so that we could all get to the point that we are now? Because I feel like there was a huge shift. There was a big walk-in that occurred end of last year. Mine was on the 29th. I want to talk to you about this time period as well. Uh, and do you think that that was f- so that the boringness or whatever could be for us to really unravel and to really shed all the nonsense and to really sort of get our bearings here and go, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's what I've experienced so far. And and sort of that Saturn return time period for folks is a big one anyway. Again, another cycle uh, that has uh, significant personality changes that are uh, metric. It's data. Like people can show this. And uh, so at those cyclical times, it feels like those are the times where because of the boring stagnancy, now stagnancy makes me uncomfortable. And whenever I'm uncomfortable, I move. And so I, I want that shaken off. And so I know though the difference between rest and stagnancy. And that was a very important lesson that I needed to learn that had I not have experienced both, I wouldn't have been able to delineate between. This is the the whole concept of like, you need to like go through your training ground. You know, we needed to experience the shit so that we could really light up and really thrive uh, when the resources are available and that that tide really turns. That's what it feels like. It feels like this, if we stick to the metaphor of the game, which I really, really liked it, it always feels like that more to me because it's never felt that dire, you know, especially as, as in the last like 20 years when I've been in pure survival mode, like living on the streets, like crazy shit. It's never felt like dire. It's always just simply felt like a game, like an experience, like I was learning. Right. So uh, I think what I was going to ask you was, is about the... The mode of us being here within this game, do you think that it was sort of like a timer that was flipped? And like, basically, we were doing our thing. The collective, like you said, is running out of time. The Archons, let's say that, that other black hat side is running out of time and they know it. So that's why all the deals are being made and all of that. And do you think that this Aquarius time or you know what we're experiencing now is sort of that flip over of the coin to where now our time is up? 
Yeah. So I think that there is what it feels like to me. And I listened to your episode with Ellie is you talked about like remembering your past lives and remembering like the, so what I think what's happening with us right now. Okay. I'm going to go back to, you talked about the stagnant um, versus like, what were the two words that you used? Uh, it was like, just stagnancy and rest. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the whole COVID thing was really fascinating because it was very much like the um, the fractured tools had a very easy time being stagnant. They, in a way, yes. liked it. They liked, the, you know, they liked being forced to stay in their home that like they could only drink alcohol. They go, it was us. So this is sometimes why I think this happened for us. It was us who got that, that oh, like, oh my God. I just remember it was like a month or two in and I was like, and there was like caution tape around the playground by our house. Oh, and I was like, kids go play. Gross. I was like, go play. I was like, I'm done. I'm done being at home. I have four kids. Like this is, I'm so, and it was like something to switch where I'm like, I'm done even playing this like version mm. of it. You know, and it was like, but so it was, I think that's when a lot of us started to get that real stagnant feeling like, and we really started to see it and like, it kind of, it was able to it, it kind of like separating, like it was separating, you know, the red ants from the black ants, you know, yeah. like it was, there was a set, like the, some people were going to vibrate to this, like wake up out of it. And some people were going to stay in it. And that's, it was a really easy way to like pick, you know, people out of like the crowd. It was a way for us to find each other. It was a yes. way for us to find each other and like start to make these connections. We started listening to each other's podcasts. I know that's when I like during that time period, I started listening to you, Amy, uh, Tim Hat, all the people, you know, who I still listen to now where it's like the resonance was there back then, but now like we're, we're vibrating and moving up together, you know? Cause there's some people who I don't listen to at all anymore. Cause it's like, it, they, I think they stayed at their checkpoint, you know, like they were, they have to stay there as more people move out of it. But, um, wait, what was the original question? It's per <laughs> I don't, Just keep going to what you're saying. Cause you've got a great vein going here. Um, but anyways, but I'm like, it goes back to your original question. Uh, yeah. So I think that that was all happened purposely gosh now i forget where i was going well it's just so interesting this whole idea of it being such a bigger picture and this this idea of the shake-up being this cymatic thing that you know i've talked about several times like a tone switched and when that happens all the cymatic patterns you know the, it switches to another one during that you know 2020 2021 whatever chaos that occurred that was sort of the granules moving around and all of this is just expressed uh, as individuated pieces of us or whatever and mm -hmm. but at that frequency is when yeah like you said we all started to form into these new arms and patterns and bands and vibrate at this awesome frequency. It does definitely seem to be the like one of the most polarizing thing I've ever seen energetically here and definitely within my life, but even in perceived history, you know, or uh, what we're told is history. It's such a shock to see everyone just so split and divided. How, uh, how do you, I saw you got a light bulb, but while you're, I want to hear about that, but also how do you reconcile this within yourself? Like people, uh, family members, friends, uh, things like that, that aren't uh, vibrating at the same path as you and you've never felt further away from. I mean, that's, I think everyone who's listening can has their own story with that. And it's, it's pretty the typical story where it, and when the vaccine came out and um, my husband's in a job where he very much was he's in the military and he so he became part of like the lawsuit and all the different things like too um and he didn't get it and so 
through that, like we had a lot of pressure, all the different things and um, we came out of it. And now as we move through it, you go through all the different gates and you're like, Oh, you know, you're angry, you're mad. And then once you like get to this point of like kind of resolution, you realize like you love everyone. It's all love. This whole game, the kick it out of this game is love. Like I know that sounds so cheesy and so everything, but it is to like literally truly see how to learn to love and every single person in this realm, because every single person in, in this realm is a mirror of you in some way or another, whether it like might be a different version of you on a different part of your journey, but it is like, you could see yourself in other, in everyone, you know, we can see. So when we can love all parts of ourselves, love every single person in this realm, then that's the, you're at the point when you love all parts of yourself. And that's when you can start evolve and you start, you know, getting these bigger, bigger consciousness levels. But so that's what, so in the stagnancy, so with my family now, now we're like, we're good. And I, I used to worry as I would talk on these podcasts, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to find it. I was like, oh God, they will never vibrate to this level. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if they do, I'll be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'll be excited for it versus like right now you worry that they're going to like listen and be like, Colleen needs to go to a loony bin and stuff. And then I realize, it. but anyways, but I, that fear is over. But so one thing that you talked about in your last call that I thought was really interesting was um, having the Akashic reading and finding like connecting with other versions of self, because I think in our stagnancy, one of the ways that one of our ways to get out of here was we had to connect to other aspects of self that are going to help us in this cycle of the game. So it's like, we didn't have to access all of our, like every little piece that we had, but it's one of the ways to really come out of that stagnancy and like, like go into like the resting state as, as I notice in the resting state is kind of when you do a lot of inner work and a lot of inner, like seeing things. So you start to like, kind of like see those pieces of yourself and you start to it like uh, incorporate those aspects of yourself that are still playing the game. If the game just kind of all exists, it's like, even I was playing Mario brothers with my kids the other day. So I keep thinking of that, but it's like, we turned off the game. But right when we turn it back on, the game, that version of the game still exists. So it's all still existing at once, even though we can turn off different levels or we can die in those lives. And we can we can always go back to that part of the game if we need to and like, you know, heal like or do whatever we need to do. So I think when you make that transition into being stagnant into like this is a time to rest and heal myself and get more of myself, then there's a big expansive moment there. It's so interesting. And, you know, uh, when I had the uh, Rachel Horton White um, Acacia greeting that you're talking about, Expansive Insider, guys, links below. Check it out. Great way to support. Thank you, everybody, for who's doing that. It's awesome. We're having fun. Uh, so whenever that occurred, there were several lives that she brought through. And it was almost like a like a value pack, like a, uh, like a Justice League of all the qualities that I'm a big fan of of myself now in this life that I possess. A bunch of just little, like things that I'm very naturally like decent at and they didn't take a lot of effort and it feels like when she was going through that list she knew none of those qualities about me maybe a couple but there were really some that she pinged on just as like I don't know I'm hearing this a painter and I'm just like holy shit you know a bunch of things but what's really interesting about this is Amy Belair gave me my first technically my first acacia reading and so uh, what she did for my wife and I it was right at the turn of when I was leaving the 3D job and stepping 
off of the you know cliff, as they say, taking that leap of faith. And I'd already committed, and it was time, and it was huge. And so when she went in, she tapped into a version of me uh, that she said lived during the Dust Bowl, and that all of our kids died, and that it was you know just this horrible thing to where we didn't have the resources to survive. All of our kids died, and then uh, my wife died, and then I died, and it was horrible. And I'm like, great. And so what her thing was was to send energy to that. That's why when Rachel was like, hey, this is what occurred – I already kind of knew what to do, and that's why I was able to, you know, face it and heal it and talk to that guy and send him energy and all that. So do you think that it's sort of like this uh, Akashic record reading to where, like, you basically at a certain point, at a checkpoint, let's say, a walk-in version of you perhaps comes in and it attracts the situation that gives you the opportunity to turn over a few more cards in the deck that you're dealt. And it's like, okay, you can't see all of them, but here's five more. See what you can do with these objects or these images on this card, and then we'll leave you with it for now. That's what it feels like when you're gifted these awarenesses or these level ups, because it's like you you need to sit with it for a minute. It's not just grab it and run. It's You got to sit with it and just like a great... Uh, psychedelic experience right afterwards you need to integrate and you need to you need to sit with it mother ayahuasca is still talking to me two years after my first experience with her and so i feel it all the time so do you think that this is what occurs within that realm is it whenever we level up it's basically just more glimpses at, at who we are i think where we are in this point of the transition is um we have to become very conscious of all aspects of self because if we don't then it's, it's always playing at a subconscious level so it's going to manifest in you with like a disease or a skin rash or a fear of something or a love for something that's like kind of you talk about your love for animals where it's like if you didn't see that then you could potentially get too many animals right right yeah <laughs> like, and, and then so it's the reason why we're seeing them now is a because we're coming into a time where the veil is thin and i think that goes back to how people describe the the lemurian time but it's so important i think this is why astrology charts are so important it's so important like to do to really look at these parts of yourself even in this life like you don't even have to do an akashic reading just you yourself go do some journal work see what parts like stick out and what parts are still playing out through you as an adult character now, especially after you sat in return. But it's basically bringing all this subconscious behavior that's manifesting in your life in different ways and becoming very conscious of it. Because then what happens, you're like, I know why that's happening. <laughs> like, so then you can, on a sovereign level, you can decide if you want to actually do it. But when we aren't conscious of it, then we're just doing it like not like by free will, we're doing it by pattern. Yeah, like the ones that just uh, that are fractured souls that kind of give away their autonomy here just to go through the motions. They're like, just give me my Cheetos and my football and just let me, yeah, just leave me alone, right? As much as you can. Take my energy. And then they forfeit that energy. It's so interesting. And now I'm kind of looking more at loosh farms like the media and all the things that keep you in that root chakra, you know, uh, lower vibration, that that frequency level that, um, you know, that it's all set up like that, like the company playing the archons on the other side knows this. And so they found a way to sort of farm energy here in the means of perception management to keep the illusion going. But what's great about that observation in this reality, if that's what's occurring, then we also needed that as a springboard to get the fuck out of it, which was our mission to begin with. Again, it's it, the way it plays here is beautiful and you need all of it. You need those stagnant times to get you to go, fuck this. But you do, man. That, uh, that's when I did. I went real within. And that's when a lot of great awarenesses came to me was there in that stagnancy. But shaking mm -hmm. it off was was so 
necessary. But again, it happened at this upgrade time. So I want to ask you this. What is up with comets and meteors? What do you think those things are? Oh my God, I can't believe you asked me that. Okay, so this actually goes back to, I went, we went on a trip, a family, we went down to California to Monterey and on the way back, um, we were coming back like a day early and my husband's like, oh no, I have like Monday and Tuesday off. And I was like, oh wow, like we should go to Mount Shasta on the way home. And so anyways, we ended up in Mount Shasta on like for an extra like couple nights, like vacation. So Mount Shasta, I knew nothing about it. Um, but obviously like I am intrigued by it because one of the guys who I followed who kind of says things that intrigue me are, he lives there. So we go there and then I start to end up meeting up with this guy. Like, it's just like, that's how it is. Like, oh yeah, like let's, I'm like, I'm going to like reaching out to him on Instagram and like, oh, let's get together. So we ended up, I met this guy and it was just one of those, talk about like when people like us come together in real life, there's like a, it's kind of like you get kind of shaky, you know, yeah. the vibration is like so excited. Like our energetic bodies are so excited. Like, oh my God. Like, and so, because I do think we have our avatars and our energetic bodies that are always playing, you know? And um, so anyways, when I was there, long story short, it was like this huge magical experience, but I ended up in this crazy little crystal shop. Anyone who's listening, who's been to Mount Shasta probably knows about this crystal shop, but it's like at this little house and it was, and I don't connect with crystals. And so the guy in it was telling me about how, um, something about how the crystals, and we did this thing where I found found a crystal and then he channeled this message about how like it's part of like a comic, like a dragon comic collective. And I'm very, very, very much like love the dragon. I will talk dragons all the time. Um, and so I go home that night and I'm laying there and we're in the mountains, Mount Shasta camping and all stuff. And then I just had this epiphany. I was like, oh, my God, this is I feel like we it's this place is turning this fractured souls like just like kind of like um reincarnating like there's and then i think all of us came in at like different points and so that's why some people have been looping for a longer time some people are have just come in more like in the last like 100 years and stuff but i am now like the epiphany that came through that i'm pretty sure about is these comments are bringing in um coded like higher energetic souls like higher vibrational souls and they're coded with messages for us. And, um, it was like this, I like, I call or one of my girlfriends, I was like, I think I figured out how we get into the game. Cause I think they tried to close off the game from us. So we had to like get ourselves into the game. And I think we did it through comments. Wow. It's this idea of sort of uh, what Ronald Kinsella and I were talking about on the show about how uh, UFO crashes, there's no such thing as UFO crashes. There is uh -huh. seeding of information here via different methods, comets, perhaps asteroids as well. And then, of course, uh, UFOs. Right. And so mm -hmm. this is so interesting to me. So do you feel that this is an introduction of code into this reality through a physical means? Mm hmm. I think like it's it's when um, like how, you know, I said, like, sometimes you can be like bleep, bop, bloop and like kind of like change things on the outside. So I think that um, there's two different trains of thought. So I'm trying to figure out which one I should do. Uh, but basically, I think that there's coding that's too big and that there was a return of us that was going to happen, a return of like people. And I think they are the game makers. 
they have to come in and like kind of shift the game from the inside because they know how to they know how it works. They know how this realm works. So they know. And so they essentially have to be these living museums for all these fractured souls to remember to wake up so it's like with everything that i do even like homeschooling my kids and stuff it throws off people's algorithms like even my family and like they can't they i know that they sit and think like oh so it's we turn we start doing these things that the program people are watching and they're like that doesn't even make sense but it makes them think it makes them actually start to think for themselves and like even decide whether or not it's and then a lot of times they'll shake it off and be like, oh, like it's like the whole skirt thing that I talked about with my sister, like, oh, whatever. But then the people who are ready to start waking up and start ready to start ready are ready to start getting more access of themselves, they'll start to go, they'll find a rabbit hole on their own, you know, and there's all these people like you, like even they'll find a, one of your episodes from like two years ago, because that's where they're at right now. They yeah, need to know yeah. Brandon two years ago, not Brandon right now. Right, right. <laughs> yes, I think there's so, so much. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's this whole thing where um, I'm pretty sure that the comments, like we had to figure out a way how to get, the big players back in the game, the game makers back in the game to start changing this game from the inside out, because I think there was, and I can't tell, I honestly cannot tell this is original thought or this is because I've heard other people say it. So this is just full disclosure. I don't know if this is true. This is just things that, but I do think there was a point in this game where we all started to panic and we're like, fuck, like, what we have to go it feels like this is a game that we created and that's why i think a lot of people are very resonant with like gaia because it's almost like a siri you know like it's yeah. it's it's the program that exists and i also think talk about expanding consciousness i think that the ultimate goal of consciousness expansion is to get your own realm your own simulation so i think gaia that yeah her realm actually in order for all this to be real we have to exist inside a consciousness that can carry all of us so it has to be one of the most ascended consciousnesses like like such a close drift to source so i think that in a way a lot of us did answer a call because we're like oh shit, they're really trying to take over like this this simulation that works on this cycle and they're trying to stop the cycle from happening i think i do think that there was a little bit of panic at some point wow that was our like get our shit together moment. That's when we're like, oh, yeah. we got to take our shit, put it in a bag, get it together and go down to Earth. We got to throw comets down there. And that's interesting, yeah. too, because if you look at history as it's been recorded, uh, there are ancient peoples that would talk about great wisdom and things. And they revered these comets and stuff. Now, maybe that's because they looked at a normal sky, but they you had meteorites and shit flying around all the time. Like if you walk outside tonight, you can see 100 of them. No problem. But the mm -hmm. interesting part about it, it was is these big ones, you know, that occurred that brought mm -hmm. these huge changes, especially the things that. Um, People like Randall Carlson right now are talking about with the younger Dryas and that there was this comet that came through and a series of impacts completely changed this place. And then whenever you couple that idea with the Tataria idea and even the prophecies of the Hopi people, which said that they went underground and survived this thing, that it seems like also that there's some sort of cataclysm that'll come through, wipe the surface clean. And perhaps this is a cyclical thing, you know, uh, to where it just constantly happens. But then you go and you can sort of hide from it in the realm, it seems, you know, uh, or that's the way it's framed. And then you come back out and whoever can survive that bit of that game. It's like you come in and reincarnate here just for that time to see who can survive survive that part and then move on where we go ahead so i think a big thing that they're trying to make that we that they have gotten us to forget because they they're so instead of us being like these giant huge like soul like consciousnesses that like remember how this 
like one of the reasons why they wanted to fracture us because it was easier to make us forget. And this is where I don't know if you listen to Archaics, but he's a historian and he breaks down his name's Jason, Jason Bershears, but he breaks down like through like history that there's a Phoenix event that comes every 138 years. And he predicts that the next one's going to be in year 2040. So the big thing is, is that if we're aware of it, then, but he thinks it doesn't affect anyone unless like if you have the right vibration, it targets like lower vibrational spots, but that's what they know that we don't know. And even if you go back to the last reset would have been in 1902. And so he explains how the, um, the elites uh, basically, like we're preparing and like right before 1902 is when they started like buying up all like the libraries and turning the Carnegie Carnegie's like the Carnegie family bought up all the, all those big families was all in preparation for 1902. And then right after 1902 is when they started releasing all this big technology back to us. Cause I think that this technology, these iPhones, I don't, I mean, it's just, I don't think there's anything new in here but at the same time i do but i think that they're i think it just gets remembered it's like an information field like we drop it into that akashic field and people remember how to do it yeah it's like there's a structure here there's tools there's certain ways to do things there's a set way of uh, a hammer being made for instance and a nail being made there's just like a few ways to do that you know and perhaps Mm -hmm. these upas are different civilizations who had that technology at a certain time during this cycle here physically and then when we are here now on the next 2.0 it's they're using the same ground you know Mm -hmm. and we see this with megalithic uh, structures all over the planet that they actually build on top of ancient sites because of the location so they just take what was there once it's destroyed or if they sack it Mm -hmm. or whatever and then they build their thing exactly exactly where it was. So there's things left around from the other civilization as well. And so this idea that this technology or that we're, uh, you know, the best thing that's ever happened, absolute horseshit. That idea left my mind a long time ago. But this idea that this is sort of a cyclical realm in which we get a certain amount of time that you're given, you know, and even, even within this concept, even with our minds here, we can say, okay, well, if you dial in in or out, up or down certain parameters within this place. Let's say you make it colder. Let's say you make it hotter. Let's say you make the gravity less dense. Let's say uh, you give things here the ability to grow to 80 feet. You know, what does that look like? And you could see that, you know, I'm curious about that. So if a system that can make simulations would be curious about that and then chose to do so, then they would do it, right? And this is the Nick Bostrom idea, that physicist. He had said that there were three ways that uh, simulation was possible, um, or three factors at all. One, uh, that a civilization never gets to the point technologically, like they don't survive long enough to get there technologically to create a civilization. The type two is they get to that point in in their technology, but they choose not to do it. They're just like, yeah, we totally could, but we're not gonna. Step three would be that they do get to that uh, point technologically and then choose to flip the bitch on. Now, if that's the case, then it's way more likely billions to one odds that we are in a simulation because again it could be this simulation of a simulation of a simulation right and so you don't know how far it goes but it seems that in this little technical wonder that we're in if that's what's going on that there is a cyclical thing that's here and like you said there's nothing new here and so there are elements of this that are very low tech to me as far as like the templates go the regurgitation of these cycles of narratives things like that it's just old But so then the question to you would be like, are we supposed to find them old because they're supposed to be mundane because that's part of the mechanism of waking people up? 
Yeah, I think that we're in such a funky time right now. So are you saying like, are we supposed to find old, old technology and remember how to create it? Yeah, or that the fact that let's say narratives um, uh, persist here. Let's say that um, you know this division, this narrative of division. You know that something's going to happen where uh, this colored police officer does something to this colored person, and then it starts this sort of fracture and divide. And then if you wait about fifteen or twenty years, it'll happen again. And then if you wait about fifteen, it'll happen again. And the shootings do this. Um, uh, terrorist attacks happen this way. There are a lot of events that seem to be on cycles. And so do you think that the fact that they're on cycles and we've discovered that is sort of a way of us pointing out the wizard behind the curtain? Or do you think that they're supposed to be that easy to spot, just like the narrative is to us? Like, it's so easy for us to see what they're really talking about whenever they, they talk about this. And we could see through the perceptive management. But it's simply because we've just crossed that vibration of unseeing off the list, right? We've mm -hmm. just like achieved it so you can't unsee it yeah i mean i think that's the whole thing with the people who do the asymmetric predictions mm. like they literally will do predictions off based off of they'll find a point and then they know that like eight years before eight years after depending on what the thing is they can predict like what's going to happen exactly. so people do this like so yes there's definitely a ripple out happening and I think what the ripple that they're trying to cause is a very low vibrational ripple of like events. No, they likely know that's how this world works. It is like the cyclical or the ripple, but the ripples are, are cyclical as yeah. well. So there is, there is definitely something to it. I also though think those are seeds that they're planting. Like I think that they are planting then those ripples for us to ripple out those things, knowing that we are such cyclical uh, avatars that will just repeat old pattern behavior until like we have something that throws us off of our pattern. And I think what then these, um, these events that are like resets, I'll say, or these Phoenix events, resets, whatever, like mud floods. I think that those are things that throw us off and we essentially get a reset and try to like do the human, the ripple out, the cyclical, like um, symmetric like patterns. We keep getting more chances to, I guess, in a way, create like a better pattern of life. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's also interesting to think that if this is a game that the players of the game, even though we're the game makers, there are still people playing the game and we're very willingly participating in the experience, so therefore immersed in it. And perhaps we're getting aid from the other side or the best intention of aid from the other side, but really it's not something that we perceive correctly or it actually turns out to hurt, even though it has the best of intention. Let's say they send one of those waves and we mm. you know, get caught in a trough of it, you know, just due to circumstance. Let's just say it's unpredictable. I don't think it's as uh, controlled as everybody thinks it is. I think it's really being created created now. I, I really do. And that it, you know, at some level outside of this can then be glimpsed at later. And that's what we access. But really in the scope of it, it feels like this is occurring now. hundred percent. I, cause I think that's the, you talked earlier about, um, we were talking about the illusion. And I think that's the whole thing that goes back to the Crawley and all the things, the black magic. So I think that everything that they're doing, they're actually not doing like anything. And they, you could say that they're trying to control it, but I think the energetics, are going to play out the way that we they'll create the illusion for us but the energetics are already essentially happening outside of the game does that make sense it, it does so, it's like, yeah. so yeah. say trying to think of a video game that like mimics this because there's a lot so say like you get this plan 
outside of the game and you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And like you, so you come up with this whole plan and you're like, now how are we going to figure out how those energetics are going to play out inside the game? And I think that's kind of like what happens. There's a plan. It's not just, they aren't just inside the game and they're not able to just create these, like create this stuff as is. Cause there's so much happening outside. Like where it's like, we're the last ones to know what's going on. Yes. Like COVID already happened. That whole thing already happened, but then how it played out energetically through. So this is where I think they're trying to control the narrative. I think that there was already going to be um, the, all the things that happened from the COVID vaccine, like all the different like autoimmune things, the like heart palpitation, all the different things. So, because energetically, like outside the game, it already happened. People were going to start, like their systems were going to start shutting down. So they knew that. So what they tried to do inside the game was that's when they start to try to create the narrative, but the narrative's already going to happen no matter what. But if we saw like people getting sick, then we would, it would wake people up to be like, what's going on? So if they're able to control the narrative that it was like this, you know, pandemic and all, does that make sense? It makes total sense because people like me and you are going to know that it's nothing crazy, but if we saw yeah. a bunch of people just dying all of a sudden with no explanation and even no narrative, then that would be pretty jarring. But because there's a narrative, it facilitates both energetics here. It, yes. it facilitates the energetics of an answer and then a vaccine for something that you're going to die from because you're in this energetic spectrum anyway. So we're just going to yeah. tell you it's from this and later on you're going to die from this anyway. But then for folks like you and I who have uh, said no thank you to that, it was an obvious no thank you because of the way it was ran, because it's got a vibration. You know you know that, that robe wearing that mask right there. You're like, got it. Yeah, yeah. When they start saying, uh, you know, all of the first cases in any of the major cities were 33 cases, all of them, that's crazy. And whenever there's, you know, 14 to 15 of them that you put together in a video and you're like, okay, they're 33, 33, 33, uh, then that's obviously Masonic. My friend Jeff Drum would say it's not Masons doing it. Well, then somebody using Mason Masonic iconography pulled that whole damn thing off and they're using them as scapegoats. That's probably what happened. But I, I think it's very interesting that this whole thing needs to be framed that way because it's, you know, now it makes me think of uh, uh, geoengineering, the chemtrails okay so do you think that because this comment is coming back because of what uh jason burmese was talking about do you think that that uh comment coming back that they're spraying the sky so that we can't see it i've heard this about planet x that they want to hide the fact that we have either a second sun or that nibiru is coming back and that that kind of stuff so do you think it's a more of a masking of our sky so if i'm being 100 honest the sky thing i I don't know what's going on with that sky. There's something though. They're doing yeah. something. It's wild. Right? I don't know. And it goes back to like, I think you get to a point in your, um, where you realize when you get to this point, you realize nothing can actually harm you. Like the chemicals that they say are in the chemtrails or even like that whole, um, the narrative of like the 33s and the Masonics. Then like you, that's like all fear. It's all just this right. like weird way. Like you see it. So now like you can see it so easily not have an emotional charge to it. Cause you're like, what are they trying to show us? Like what, yeah, like, what's one. going on yeah. here? Like, and then you realize they're, Oh, they're just trying to scare everyone and think that and give them the power that they actually make us assume that they actually have power over what's happening when what's happening is actually outside of here. Like, yeah. Thank you. But so for the sky thing, I think if I had to guess right now at this moment in time, I think the chemtrails are definitely in the harp. I think it's covering up colors and craziness in the sky that a lot of their fractured souls would be like, what the hell is going on up there? Like the other night we were at my parents' house 
and the sky looked so weird and my mom and dad could not get over it they're like have you seen the sky tonight and i'm like i know and like so we were just looking at it we're outside we're playing they're like this is my dad's like i don't think i've ever seen and so that's what i think then that was a big like that's what they're trying to cover up because it's like what is going on up there but i think it's one of them and then that goes back to us being the ships. So if, so we're the vessels. We're the vessels that carry the consciousnesses that are bringing the consciousnesses, the consciousness in. Then we're seeing all these cloaked ships. And like, you know, how people are like, oh, um, I see. I saw like my grandma as a like cloud. Like it makes me wonder if the cloaked ships are actually just to wake us up to the ships. Yes. There actually aren't, there aren't ships behind it. It's like just to, it's like more symbolism and coding for us because cloaked ships follow certain people around and it's like, they follow you around till all of a sudden you're like, you sit and think about it enough to be like, now I'm at the point where I'm like, what are these cloaked ships? Yeah. There was a, a case, uh, Virginia Horton in the uh, Bud Hopkins is missing time book. And one of the things she mentioned, and there was a regressed, um, uh, memory of an account that she had where she was led off into the woods by a magical deer. It was like a glowing deer. But the way she described it was is that it had a familiarity. Like she knew it was somebody that she knew, and but it just disguised itself that way so that it blended in. You know, we hear this mimicry idea, this apprehension of uh, what you're able to perceive from these entities if that's what's occurring. It's really interesting to me. So uh, now you and I have a million more conversations to have, and we're going to do it. I, I want to do one one more question for you here to blow everybody's mind, and then we're all going to integrate this stuff. But we have much more to look forward to. So I want to know what your thoughts are on aliens uh, now that we've um, brilliantly segued into that. Uh, aliens. So do you think that it's uh, a part of this system, or do you think that it's actually the players of outside the game somehow physically coming in in an avatar to manipulate things and to have sort of a vehicle in which to operate here in? Okay, I think there's two different types of aliens. I think there's a MK Ultra program, like they somehow get people convinced, like just what they do with people in Hollywood. I think that they are running programs on people to try to have them convince they're having these experiences that are likely um, MK Ultra. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, like oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that there's, I think that there's this agreement that. Um, yeah, I think there's something funky going on with like the government. Well, because as you're talking about this, I'm thinking of them fracturing humans to the point to where it it because that's the thing, right? It's trauma based programming. So they traumatize them, which fractures the psyche. And this is just psychological terms. It, it fractures the psyche so much that then one of those is apprehended to be controlled. Now, when framing it through again, the lifted the lens that you've gifted us here. Now I'm thinking that it's what they're doing is tapping into this ra the raw source of the game of the player that's there and. That that's what they're getting to and apprehending. And so it like it's a slave code almost that they're imprinting into that avatar for this game. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And I think also some people's alien abductions could potentially be like uh, past life or uh, other dimensional lives like um, like a swapsies. Yeah, like all of a sudden you're remembering something that's so vivid. And so you think that it has to be from this world, but it's actually experience that you had outside of here. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their psyche is like telling them, and I think that it's for a reason. Um, and then the whole alien, con there's just too many people who've had experiences and I've listened to too much stuff. 
And then it's that whole thing where I all at one point I really thought that we were the aliens back in the day. Like so, like whenever I watched Ancient Aliens, I was like, oh my god, I think I was one of the aliens totally who would that. come and show up to the people. And so I'm like, well, that makes sense. If we used to be aliens who would show up to the people, now we actually have to be the people because they're so afraid of aliens. Right. Right. So there's that train of thought that happens, <laughs> and then there's also the train of thought like the gold deer. The gold deer, the girl the, that you just talked about, the woman who saw the gold deer and like followed it through. I think that a lot of us have experiences with that we cannot explain, but we're so programmed to not even talk about them or like share them because of the judgment that people would see. Like, so like for me personally, I have like an experience with, um, it was a dream state experience but it manifested in reality in this world where in the dream um i was like captured they poked a like they poked a pin needle into the side of me and then the next morning i woke up and my ear was hurting so bad and then eventually just ruptured and so i went to the urgent care because it was gushing out blood and gook and all the different stuff this just happened and the doctor looked at my ear and was like oh my god like this is so weird i've never seen this it looks like a little pin needle a little pin needle like someone so in that i just had the dream from the night before but what fascinates me about this is this is a game in order for me to fully wake up i would need to experience stuff yes i'm an experiencer like i want to have the experiences i want to have the mind-blown experiences so me on the outside of the game i'd be like let's give her something good yeah <laughs> like, i love that so i think that it's the gold deer of like you want to see that stuff it your higher self knows what you need to see in order for you to come out of the trance and for some people that's going to be alien experience and all it is is bloop, 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 bloop. let's give them an alien experience that's a code and then they send it in and it looks so foreign because it's from the outside it's like a outside experience yeah. it's sent in here like um it's it's just so interesting i love this and I also really quick, I don't want to downplay people's alien encounters experience. I just haven't personally experienced them, but I have no doubt. Like I can tell when people are talking about them, it is true. So I don't know how it is true, but it is true to them. And I like, I honor that because there's a lot of things that are true to me that other people are like, no way can that be true. And it's like, yes, but it is my truth. And that's what we all get to have as we become these sovereign beings. Beautifully said. And thank you for saying that. That is so sweet. And that's the thing that we provide here is a safe home for everyone and your and your stories and bring them on. You know, we love I love hearing about this. I love hearing how these situations and stories change people's lives because rather they're air quotes real or not, and I don't need it to be one or another, the impact that it made on them is extremely real. And that is what is to be taken away from all of this. Mm-hmm. Colleen Turner, I can't thank you enough. Uh, we, like I said, have a bajillion more conversations to have in this life and many others. And so I can't wait for all of them. But for this one, we're going to close it out. Uh, celestial timing and all of the ways, of course, to find you located down in the show notes. Thank you so much. This is truly incredible. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best. Massive shout out to that amazing Lyran sister of mine. Thank you so much, Colleen Turner. That was incredible. You are welcome back any damn time. And I can't wait for all of it. All the ways to find her, of course, guys, located down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check that out. While you guys are down in those show notes as well, check out the link for the shirts and stuff. That is where all the new t-shirts can be found. We have an ungovernable shirt that's really cool with a third eye cat on it. Also check out like the T-Reds and the Align Your Shockers and all that kind of stuff, guys. We have a bunch of new shirts going on. All of it's super cool, so check that out. 
Also, uh, thank you guys all for your support. We have a few new ways to do this. I've been asked, you know, for specific amounts and things like that. We're going to hold on to the Patreon just for specific donation amounts. So that is also located down there, but also all the other ways to support guys. The link is down there. And thank you, everyone. It's been overwhelming, but we're here for all of it. I'm absolutely grateful. So thank you again. While you guys are down in those very same show notes, check out our resource links. We have Food Force Abundance. Get that freedom from fear on. Opus, the organization for paranormal understanding and support. If you want to start your own podcast, Red Circle's got you covered. Also, if you would really like to level up here, the Manifestor's Guide, use code EXPANDINGREALITY, all caps, no spaces at checkout. He sweetens the deal even more. All right, guys, so go out into this incredibly crazy, beautiful, mysterious, probably simulated place, whatever the hell this thing is. But while you're here, you might as well be nice to everybody that you come across, you know, pick up a piece of litter, even if it's simulated, we can make this place look better. So let's just go ahead and do it. You know, buy somebody in line a coffee or a meal, something like that really changes the vibe in an incredible way because we are the game makers. Remember that to make this game, whatever the fuck you want. Also, while you guys are crushing it at life in general out there, just get on out of the left-hand lane if you've got somebody behind you wanting to pass. And above all, and anything else, go out into this incredibly beautiful and mysterious place, whatever the fuck this thing is, guys. And y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, for listening, for engaging, and just being the coolest sons of bitches ever. We'll see you next time.